Good morning and welcome. When you walked in the worship center this morning, hopefully you received a bulletin. At the bottom is what we call a connection card. If you will, take a moment, fill it out, then tear it off and put it in the offering plate when it passes by. But if you're new here, hold on to your connection card and you can bring it to our Radiant Cafe, which is out in the lobby, and pick up a free gift and drink on us. One of the things we do here at Radiant Life is to check in. You do that by going to any platform of social media you might use, so Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and you just check in that you're here at Radiant Life Church. It's a great way to spread the gospel, but also a great way to let other people in your life know what's going on in your life. Make sure to use the hashtag, hashtag RadiantLifeCH. When you're done checking in, put those phones away. You have to go to the bathroom? Okay, hang on just a second. We gotta, find a second. We gotta figure out where the bathroom's at. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right, let's see if I can figure out where we're going this morning. That. Oh, good, bathrooms. Okay, so the bathrooms are over there. No, no, that's not. I'm not sure. Hey, whichever one of you had to pee, I'm working on it. Still, don't worry about it. Just hold it. Going to a new place can be crazy, overwhelming, and pretty intense at times. Hi everyone, I'm Pam Carey, volunteer and events coordinator here at Radiant Life Church. We want to make sure that our visitors and our regular attendees experience God's love from the moment they arrive. And joining one of our serving teams is a great way to make sure that happens. Join us on Sunday, September 17th at 5.30 for our Discover Serving event, where we will discuss the different serving opportunities here at the church and help get you plugged in. Be sure to circle us on your connection card. Another upcoming event we have is our Encounter Night of Worship. Join us Sunday, September 10th at 6.30, where you can have a personal experience with God different than what you experience on Sunday mornings. Be sure to invite a friend and mark your calendars. Well, good morning. All right. Good morning. Awesome. Hey, my name is Patricia. I'm the creative arts pastor here at Radiant Life, and I'm glad that you are here, whether you're a regular attender or whether you are new. We're glad you made it here. I want to open with a scripture this morning from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. It says this, we have then, my brothers, complete freedom to go into the most holy place by means of the death of Jesus. He opened for us a new way, a living way, through the curtain that is through his own body. We have a great priest in charge of the house of God, so let us come near to God with a sincere heart and a sure faith, with hearts that have been purified from a guilty conscience and with bodies washed with clean water. Let us hold on firmly to the hope we profess because we can trust God to keep his promise. Let us be concerned for one another, to help one another, to show love and to do good. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more, since you see that the day of the Lord is coming nearer. I want everybody to breathe in for a second. Everybody breathe in. Now breathe out. Whatever your week has looked like, you made it here. And you're with people who want to love you and want to support you and want to praise God with you. So I pray this morning that you would be able to bring whatever your week looked like bring it to Jesus, and that you can in this moment worship him for who he is, because he is good, and he loves you deeply. So would you stand
some with heavy hearts. We pray that you would be here in the midst of all of our lives, whatever situations, whatever we bring in here this morning, that you would meet us there. We pray that you would open our hearts and our eyes and our ears to see you and hear you and know that you're here in this place and know that you're outside of these doors as well and that you're walking with us and leading us. We pray your spirit would be here this morning and that we would listen pray together. Heavenly Father, that's the cry of our heart, is that our hallelujahs be multiplied. I pray, God, as so many of us come into a space like this, and for many of us, we're ready to worship. We're ready just to cry out and lift our hands and shout and clap, but for others of us, we come into a worship space like this this morning with heavy hearts, hearts full of distraction, Hearts full of brokenness and pain. Father, this morning as we get ready to hear your word, we have so many emotions running through here this morning. We just ask whatever emotion that we're experiencing, that we surrender it to you. So that we can hear your Holy Spirit speak clearly through Dr. Joanne Lyon this morning. So our heart can be transformed to be challenged, to grow deeper in love with you. Will you just speak through us, to us this morning? Would you soften our hearts now, Holy Spirit? And may your word land softly. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone together said, Amen. Hey, real quick, high five, five people around you, and then you can take a seat. Great crowd. Great crowd. Yeah. The first service was good, too. Yeah. You're going to have to go to a third service. You're looking at it. Yeah. Well, good morning. Hey, it's, uh, if you're a first-time guest with us, welcome to Radiant Life. If you're a regular attender, you call this your church family. We are so glad you are here this morning. My name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Radiant Life. And we have a special guest speaker, the woman on my left, your right, that will be speaking to us this morning. And I hope it's going to be very challenging. Um, I feel I'm not even worthy to be standing next to her. This is Dr. Joanne Lyon. She has whole, held many positions. Um, I'm just going to say in our country, but not only that, but in, in our denomination as a Wesleyan uh, church that we are. She is our, has been our general superintendent, which is known as just the highest position in our denomination. She has held that. She is the founder of World Hope International, and she has also served as the vice president of Wesley Seminary. She has been invited and got to go to the White House and into the Oval Office under President Bush and President Obama. So she has been there. She's going to tell you about a bajillion other places she, she has visited. But can we please welcome her and give her a warm, radiant life welcome. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Am I on here? Did I punch the button right? 
Okay. Great to be with you this morning. And yes, I have also scrubbed toilets. <laughs> Probably scrubbed more toilets than anything else. So, uh, you know, we do everything, don't we? All of life is all about everything. And so, uh, I've done those things, but a lot of other things too. So, uh, great to be with you. And thank you for your warm welcome. I said to Ryan, Wow, this is such a great crowd this morning. The first service was great. I was here quite a few years ago. I don't remember now how many years. And I walked in. I didn't even recognize the place. <laughs> you all are doing fantastic, and God is doing great. I can tell when I walk in a church what the sense is, and I sense God's presence here. It's because of you. So thank you. Thank you for being obedient, and thank you for caring more about others than you care about yourself. Because that's what makes the difference in a church and in a community. And God's called us as his people that we're transformed. And then we transform, the church becomes transformed. And then the community becomes transformed and the world becomes transformed. That's the way God's work, his work has done all these centuries. It's been happening that way. And so I'm so grateful. You know, I always think about it this way. When we come to Christ, he gives us a new story. You know, all of us have had a story when we were born. Well, you came from this family, or your grandma was this, or your grandpa was this, or your uncle was this, or this was this, or you did this, and you did this. And then we just start living out that very defeated story. When all along, God had a story for you when you were born. And when you come to Jesus... He says, now I want to give you the power of my Holy Spirit to help you live out the story I had in mind for you when you were born. And that's what I love. That's what transformation is. And we walk with God and he, he keeps opening doors. We never, oh, I should. And if we aren't careful, we'll say, well, you know, you, you don't know where I'm from, so I probably shouldn't walk in that door. No, God opens doors, open doors, open doors. You walk in it because he is putting you there. Don't be fearful. I'm a little worried these days. I feel like we're kind of, our whole country is being engulfed with fear. And God has told us not to, be, to overcome fear. He has given us courage not to be fearful. And I think it's this time in history that God is calling his people to rise up and be courageous. And it's going to take courage to love. And so he's called us to love. And I don't mean, you know, I tell you what, I travel a lot and I hear, I'm so nosy. I listen to people when they're having their, cell phone conversations. <laughs> you know, I'm going to need that some water up here. Uh, I'm sure that you don't do that, but I'm just a nosy person. And, but I hear all these uh, conversations, and they always end, these conversations end with, love you, you know. And I've, one day I was sitting there in the airport. I was, over, I was eavesdropping to all these. And I thought, good night. If we had that much love in the world, true, deep love, we wouldn't be in trouble at all. But, you know, it's the love that we sang about this morning. And thank you, band. By the way, you're great. Loved your songs this morning. It's that kind of love that can only come when Jesus Christ is in us and his Holy Spirit is moving through us. It helps us to love our enemies. That's When we start living like Jesus, we love our enemies. We do good to our enemies. We pray for our enemies. All of those things. That's what makes it different. It's a different kind of love. And I was recently reading a, someone that I respect a lot had written a, a passage out of, uh, had quoted a passage out of Philippians that says, we believe in Christ and we suffer for Christ. 
And that always hits me because I thought, well, you know what? I've never been beaten or anything like that for my faith. And then he went on to say, suffering for Christ means really loving. God so loved the world that he gave his son. John 3.16. Then we look at 1 John 3.16, and it says, again, here we find that he loved and he gave. And then it, that scripture goes on and says, and we are to love like that. And if we see anyone in need, we are to love and we're to be a part of that. It's a very, 1 John 3.16 is a very convicting verse. <laughs> Read that at some point. So I, I was thinking about that loving. So I was in South Korea um, two years ago. And North Korea, of course, is in the news constantly all the time right now. And at one point, they opened up the demilitarized, the DMZ, as it's called, the demilitarized zone. It's what separates North Korea and South Korea. It is very difficult there. I've been just within a few miles, but I didn't decide to go over, <laughs> or I wouldn't be here today. And, um, but I met some of the families, South Korean families. There was at one point that they opened that you could not go in, but you could meet your relatives that you hadn't seen for 40 or 50 years. And you could talk uh, through a fence. And I'll never forget what those South Korean families said to me when they met their families and they hadn't been with them for years, met them, seen, seen them for many, many years. And so, of course, North Korea, in North Korea, you're a Christian, you are persecuted. You are sent to a work camp. Your life is horrible as far as physical comforts are concerned and any opportunities or anything else you work. And so their families have been concerned. And they said, the first thing we said to our relatives was, we're praying for you. And their North Korean family members looked at them very startled and said, what? We're praying for you. You are drowning in your own prosperity. You hear that? People who are suffering for their faith up here but they're praying for us because South Korea is very much like our country here with all the, the, the wealth and whatever. And I, that has not, I has, not, has not left my mind. These people that are in work camps, and they're praying for us because we're drowning in our own prosperity, meaning we don't need God. Keep that in mind. Well, I want us to take a look this morning at the scriptures out of Colossians. First chapter, it's just one verse I'm pulling out of this today. Lots, I love, Colossians is one of my favorite books. Uh, and as Paul wrote this to the people who lived in this town called Colossae, it's in Turkey. It, well, the town is no longer there, it's just a big wide open field. And I've been there, looked at it and thought, well, Colossae, I guess you're here once, but it's now grass. Um, but anyway... It was a bustling city. It was a very bustling city. And I love this because Paul went around and the missionaries and they planted churches. They were really church. We talk about them being missionaries, but really in today's language, they would be church planters. They went all over the place and planted churches. And one of the things that how they did this was word and deed. They didn't just go, on, go in a town and tell everybody they need to follow Jesus. They went into cities and they said, where are the, where are the poor where are the people that are thrown away? Where are the people who nobody cares about? We're going to take care of them. We're going to bring them in. And that's how the gospel uh, was, was throughout the world. And just, just a little history here. By, this is how this worked. That by the year 300, 
The Roman Empire, now this is, and people, Christians were martyred. They were martyred because they loved and so forth. But they just kept growing. It just kept growing. And by the year 300, historians tell us that 40 to 50% of the Roman Empire was Christian. That's how this works. <laughs> Today, there are 2 billion Christians in this world, and it is continuing to grow. And Christianity is the fastest growing religion in the world. I want you to know that. We hear these other things, and that scares us. Don't be afraid. God still reigns. Jesus Christ reigns. And he's still in charge. Our God reigns. And so the city of Colossae was the same. In fact, if you go to Romans, the 15th chapter, you'll find how Christ accomplishes his work. Number one, word and deed. People will not hear the word until they see the deed and experience it. Second one, signs and wonders. Miracles still happen today. God's still at work doing miracles. And then the third one is through the power of the Holy Spirit. All of this happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. Your deeds will be multiplied over and over and over because of the power of the Holy Spirit. It works deeply in their heart. I'll never forget uh, when I was in Ethiopia in 1985 with the ABC News team, actually from Grand Rapids. And uh, I was in these camps and I kept seeing things. And I didn't see many Christians around. And I kept thinking, God's people need to be here. Secular people were there. They cared. But God's people should care more because the cup of cold water given in the name of Jesus is a different cup of cold water because it's encircled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what, what the scriptures tell us. So anyway, he, Paul is saying to the people in Colossae, he'd never been there. Paul had never been to the city of Colossae. He never did, but he sent people there. And he said, but I want you to know, I'm going to give you a little report, he says. And that's what I'm going to do this morning with you. This report is all over the world. This gospel is bearing fruit and growing. I'm going to tell you about this this morning. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing. I'm going to talk about the country of Iran. We hear about Iran, North Korea and Iran. We hear about that on the news all the time. And I know that there are issues there. But you know what? God still loves the people of Iran. And I here to tell you today that Christianity is growing. Christians are, people are coming to Jesus so fast in Iran, the country of Iran today, that they cannot even count them. The count is beyond what they can count. This comes from reputable groups that are working in and through there. They cannot count. It reminds me of Acts, as the church continued to grow and continued to grow. And finally they said, uh, there's so many we, can't, we stopped counting, you know. This is what's happening in the country of Iran today. The Holy Spirit is moving. Now, how God works. You see, God has no, no limits to how he wants to work. He can work through every way. And there aren't necessarily missionaries there doing this. God is piercing the subconscious of people and coming through to people in visions and dreams. I was with Paul Eshelman, who's the founder of the Jesus Film. And that has been one of the most effective tools around the world also to help people to understand who Jesus is. And so he, they had, when they first started, they'd rented a, 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 an auditorium in the Middle East. They wanted to get this film in the Middle East and had a lot of difficulty getting it there. But finally, God just opened doors and they rented this big facility that seated about 1,000. A lot of prayer went in that night. People had prayed. The film started. And about 10 minutes into that film, suddenly 
10 men in different parts of that auditorium all stood up at the same time. Every one of them stood up at the same time. They did not know each other. And they all shouted out, that's him. He came to my room last night. And all of them had had the same experience. The, their room filled with light. And there stood Jesus. That night, that entire auditorium, a thousand people became believers in Jesus. God is moving in these kinds of ways. We work in the country of Azerbaijan. World Hope and the Wesleyan Church work together in this. The country of Azerbaijan is right above Iran, and Iraq is right over here. It's a Muslim country. It's against the law to proselytize in any way. So we do this through deeds. And we do deeds there. And then people see and experience the love of Jesus, and they want to know more. And so then we set up small groups around the, the city. So I was in one of the small groups one night, and I, I just, I don't know why I'd asked the question, but this woman was sitting beside me, and I said, how did you know to come here? And she said, well, I had this dream. And in this dream came this most compelling person. And I kept going all over the city trying to see if I could ever find this person. I would look to see what they looked like, and I could never find them. And I would tell people. And they would say, oh, that's interesting. Finally, she said, one woman said to me, you know what? I think I know who you're talking about. Go to the sixth floor on Tuesday night, 6 p.m., knock on the door, tell them that I sent you. And so she said, I did. And she said, I came in and I found out that it was Jesus. And here I am, and I have been a follower of Jesus since that time. And this was one of our Bible studies that we had there. And this is how God is moving around the world in places that, that most of us think is impossible. I want to come back to Iran a minute. Two years ago, I was invited. I got a call from a university someplace. And they said, we wanted to know if you would come and share. We are bringing the top religious leaders. Now, these are imams and, and, and Muslim scholars, Islamic scholars to Switzerland for a meeting. And we would like for you to share with them and, 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 and give a paper, I guess, but something to that effect. Share with them on, because they need to know, they don't have this kind of compassion of Jesus. And we want you to share with them how Wesleyans, I thought this was kind of weird, Wesleyans, I mean, you know, all different kinds of Muslims and all, you know, all Christians. But anyway, Wesleyans, what us? How Wesleyans, why Wesleyans believe and practice the words of Jesus in caring for the least of these. And I said, okay, well, can I talk about the Holy Spirit? Sure, we believe in the Trinity, talk about it. I said, uh, can I, uh, uh, you know, talk about, my faith and how that, that impacts me and my personal... You're, yes, tell a story. Anything. You do it just like you were in one of your churches. I thought, wow, ooh, this could get, get kind of messy. And uh, so I did. So I started with a story of how God spoke to me. I said, Is it a, can I talk about how God speaks to us? Sure, sure. So I did. Got to Switzerland, met them, spent the entire weekend with these leaders. In fact, one is to be ultimately the next supreme leader in Iran. 
And I want you to know when I spoke that day and presented, I could sense the Spirit of God in that place. And after I finished, one of the leaders, one of the religious leaders, one of the Muslim scholar religious leaders of Iran came up to me and he said, I can't explain this, but he said, while you were talking, I thought I was going to cry. See, this is how the Holy Spirit works. Walk into the doors that God opens. They may seem ridiculous, but walk in. You never know what God is going to do. Now, I, we look at, at Muslims around the world this day, and we, again, there's lots of fear about them. But I, wanted you, I want you to know several things. Revival is coming to Europe through the, the Syrian refugees, primarily, that have come to, to Europe. This has just been quantified by a study. Dead Europe is coming. Our, our revival is happening. And so I was with a pastor from Germany not long ago, and he pastors, he's German, he's a German pastor, and he pastors a city in Germany. And he said, we found out that we were going to have thousands of Syrian Muslim refugees coming to our city. He said, my people in my church were frightened. They didn't know what to think. So he said, we just said, okay. He said, I said to my people, let's, don't try to convert them. Let's just love them. And then he said, you know, some people have tennis arm. Well, today I have baptismal arm. Because last Sunday I baptized 375 Syrian Muslim refugees. Love them. They cannot re people cannot resist the love of Jesus Christ, the depth of the love that takes place. Two years ago, I was in Egypt. And in the Wesleyan Church, we have about 40 churches there. And so I was there to encourage the, the pastors and encourage what was happening. As you know, there was what was called the Arab Spring, and thousands and thousands of people were, died in, at Tahir Square in the middle of Cairo. And there was a big government change, and the, the president was ousted, and all this kind of thing. And so I was there to encourage our pastors and see what was happening. So I made a, we, we were having a meeting, and one of the pastors said, well, Joanne, the Arab Spring broke our imagination of what God can do. I thought, well, I know it was bitter. It was a bitter time, that's for sure. So I'm, my head is going on how I can bring words of encouragement and starting to think of scriptures that can encourage them and things. And then finally, one of the other pastors said, oh, Joanne, you need to understand, since the Arab Spring in Egypt, four million Muslims have come to Christ. And he said, what we mean by that is our imagination was too small. God broke it because it was too small. And I say that to you, to me, and I say that to myself. Lord, break my imagination. Make it what is your imagination, because your imagination is so much bigger, and I'll just put a lid on it, because that's the furthest that I can think. God wants to do these things. So, speaking of imagination being broken, I was the first week in April, I was invited, I was in Vietnam. I've, we work in Cambodia, which is next door to Vietnam, but I've never been to Vietnam. And some of you I know are Vietnam veterans probably in here. And it's a, been a tough place, and it's a tough country. And I was in Hanoi, and I did go to where John McCain had been shot down, and, and et cetera, and saw all this. And I, that Hanoi Hilton that they talk about, 
it's a hole. It should have been called the Hanoi Hole, not the Hilton. I think that gives us too funny an imagination about it. It's a horrible place, horrible place. The reason I was invited there, I was invited with several other people, by the prime minister and the leading communist leaders in the country of Vietnam. Now, I know that it was, I'm old, so I know that war. And that was a bitter war. And we lost it, actually. They let you know that, by the way, too. Their histories are different than my history. <laughs> but do you know why? And, and it's a communist country. It's an atheistic country. Christians are persecuted in this country. You can't keep doing things in this country. But do you know what? They've seen Christians do things that they think are good for the country. And so they invited me, along with some other folks, to be there. And it was a two-day conference, and this was it. And this is the prime minister and the top communist leaders. We're to present on how Christianity can build a strong society. So we were there. We presented, did all this, but one young man presented something. They'd ask, the person leading this thing had asked him to give his story. His story is this. He grew up in East L.A. He's Mexican, belonged to a Mexican gang in East L.A. They murdered a man. He got a life sentence to prison. He went to prison. He was young, in his teens, late teens. Went to prison. The chaplain came around, and he visited with the chaplain, and he said, he, now he's telling this to these communist leaders. And he said, I'd never really heard of Jesus before, but I was so moved by who Jesus was that I became a follower of Jesus, and my life was radically changed. And then he went on to tell how he finished high school. He dropped out the ninth grade, so he thought, well, I might as well, I'm here the rest of my life, might as well go to school. So he said he went to ninth grade, finished, finished high school then. And then there was a college in the, in, the, in the prison. So he said, well, I guess I've got the rest of my life. I might as well go to college. So I went to college. And he didn't tell all, how, all about himself of the transformation that take, took place. But somehow, what happened in his life got the attention of Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was then the governor of California. Arnold Schwarzenegger came to visit him and was so deeply moved by the transformation in this young man's life that he had been in prison now 16 years. He granted him a reprieve. He left prison. First thing he wanted to do is he went to church. And he had a Bible college degree. It was a Bible college that was in that prison. So here he had a Bible college degree. He felt God was calling him to preach, but he didn't know how God was going to use it in the prison. But he would preach in the prison if that's what God wanted. First thing he did, he went to church. And he went to church, and this pastor realized that this young man has something more than, than just somebody who just dropped in who just got out of prison. And it wasn't long, he worked under that pastor for a while, and then he, the pastor said, I'm going to give you some people, I want you to go to Long Beach and plant a new church. So he did, and he's now planted three more churches out of that church. And he told his story there for the communist leaders. You could ask questions after you gave your paper. And so it's, he asked the question, the first question was asked something about chaplains. I think one of the communist leaders didn't quite get the Jesus part of the chaplain, but thought, wow, if chaplains can change people's lives that much, we need some help, you know. Talked a little bit about chaplain. But you know what? The head communist leader of Vietnam heard something that he had never heard before. And I was sitting right across from him. He kind of shuffled his feet. 
And finally he spoke rather slowly, but he said, and thoughtfully, this is the first time I have ever heard that religion can change a man's life. And I thought, how many millions of people out there, billions of people in fact, who've never heard that Jesus Christ can change a person's life. Not just in remote parts of the world, but right, right here in Sturgis for that matter. Right here in Michigan and around the world. God is in the business of changing lives. Well, they have been so moved by that, they want us to come back. They want to explore this whole thing of Christianity more and how they could literally, what we're hoping is, lift the lid and make religious freedom happen in the country of Vietnam so that people may worship freely and not have to be underground. That's our God at work. All over the world, this gospel is flourishing. And so, I say to you today, through World Hope and the Wesleyan Church, we're inviting you into a place where the gospel may flourish, outside of this place, outside of this country. We're inviting you to pray about being a part, partnering with a village in Sierra Leone, West Africa. And uh, it is in, say it with me, you don't pronounce that G, it's B, Ben Dembu, say that, Ben Dembu. You got it already, see how smart you are, you're ready, you're ready to go. And uh, so if we'll throw up the map a minute, and the next one, next slide, Sierra Leone is, see that little dot over there, it's at the hump of Africa, and it's in West Africa. Now, how many people in here saw the movie Blood Diamonds? Okay, that's Sierra Leone. You saw Blood Diamonds. We worked in Sierra Leone. I was there in the middle of that war. I worked with those people. We worked, I should say, not I, but the whole people that we had with, Sierra Le with the World Hope and the Wesleyan Church there worked there. Now also, Sierra Leone is a place where slaves came. They would go in and and trap the slaves and take them out the coast of Sierra Leone. When you go there, I want you to make sure that you're able to go to those places where they held slaves and they put them on ships and how they went out. But Sierra Leone is a country that is growing. Sierra Leone is 60% Muslim. However, the president of the country happens to be a Wesleyan. How about that? God works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? During that bloody war, that was a rebel war, it was, power, it was about power, uh, a rebel group that wanted to take control of the country of Sierra Leone. And the way they marked the territory was to cut off people's arms, legs, uh, slash up your back, cut off your ears. I saw a man where they tried to cut off his face. It's some of the worst evil and dastardly deeds you could ever imagine. During that time, that was in... Uh, the war ended in about 2002, 2003. Um, and uh, during that time, uh, I, we didn't get much of it on the news today because Blood Diamonds came out quite a, way, quite a long time after that. But we didn't get much news about it. And so I kept thinking, the world's got to know what this is going on. We've got to do something here. Now, at that time, I started World Hope, and I started in a bedroom in a parsonage. So I'm working in my, in my bedroom, probably in my pajamas, who knows. And... Uh, and I'm thinking, the world's got to know about this. I've got to get there. If I, if I can just get there and get somebody to get some uh, pictures and tell the story, boy, I know that NBC and CNN, they'll want this. I was totally naive, but anyway. 
didn't have much money. This guy came to me, and he said, I feel that too. And he said, I'm a good journalist, and I can take pictures, and I can write, blah, blah, blah. And I just believed him, and he said he was free. I heard that, free, free. And so we took off, and we went to Sierra Leone, about halfway across the Atlantic Ocean. I thought I'd better take a look at his stuff. It was awful. Oh, Lord, I know, I missed the mark here. I should have vetted him, and all you business people, you're already saying, crazy, crazy. She should have vetted him before. I know that, I know that. But I'm here to tell you that sometimes you risk, you step out on the water, and you do some risky, crazy things. But you know what? God's on the other side. And I've found this over and over and over. And so I was thinking, Lord, you've got to help here. I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't take pictures. I can write, but I can't take pictures. And I, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not even that great of a writer either. So we're both, both of us, we're just in the same boat, this guy and me. Got to the capital city of Freetown. The war is raging. All these things that you saw in Blood Diamonds, I'm telling you, it's all true. There was one couple of things that weren't quite right, but don't worry about that. It was, the big stuff was true. And I was getting my bag off the carousel, and this man came over, and he gave me his name, and he said, hello, I am blah, blah, blah. He said, I've been trying to get in this country for a long time, and this is the first time I could get in. He said, I'm a foreign correspondent for the Washington Post. Is there some way you could help me? <laughs> That's when I knew God takes care of idiots. <laughs> and I said, absolutely. And we traveled together for three days. And he was so deeply moved in one of the places that we went was a camp where all hundreds and thousands, actually, of these amputees were. And we heard the stories, and I, you could not. And as we walked back to the car that day, he said, this is the worst evil I have ever seen. What are you going to do about it, Joanne? All I could think of was that passage in Romans that says, we overcome evil with good. That sounds simple, but it's God, not just nice little, sweet little good things. We overcome evil with God came back, that story was on the front page of the Washington Post and the picture and so forth. I could have never, ever, I would have known no one at the Washington Post to contact. I would have, no, that's what God does. That's what he does when you step out. That's why he parts the water. But you have to put your foot in first. Most of the time we want the water all parted and then we'll walk through. No, no, no. The old rabbis used to say that the water never parted until it got to the nostrils of the people. <laughs> I don't know about you, I've been to the nostrils many times, but I've seen that water part. So God brought about, so anyway, we opened up an entire center for amputees. God began to supply the funds like I've never, uh, miraculously, constantly, constantly. In fact, some of the most strange people stepped in, uh, the, not this wife, but the wife before of Paul McCartney of the Beatles. She contacted us and we worked with her. I mean, I never thought I'd hang out with these rock stars, but you know... God works. And we opened up this amputee care center, and God did great things there. And so, then we look at this, and we look at Ebola. You know about Ebola hit a few years ago right here in Sierra Leone. But I want to tell you that it has now been uh, written up in the CDC and all these great uh, mag uh, professional journals about how the faith community, the church, is what turned the tide in Sierra Leone on Ebola. I mean, I was invited into the White House to talk about Ebola and what we were doing there. And, and it's God's people again, because it isn't just the, quote-unquote, the cup of cold water or the 
what you're doing, but it is the power of God that surrounds it. That's what makes the transformation. And so we're inviting you, Sturgis Church, in now. No more Ebola. We're, we're doing post-Ebola stuff, but no more Ebola, all of this kind of thing. We're inviting you to partner with us in this village. And this village, there's a picture of it, and this village ha- needs, it needs water. It needs a well. It needs a school. It needs leadership development. It needs a church. It needs people to come to Jesus. There are probably Muslims in that village. But you know what? We're finding that Muslims are coming to Jesus. And so this entire village, we're inviting you to partner with us in that village. And your pastor will be talking with you more about this. And I'm excited about this. You can go there. We want you to go there. We want you to have a relationship with these folks. And we want you to really understand how God is calling you to transform now a nation. He's called us to transform nations as well through his power and through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's not too big to think about. Break your imagination. He wants to break it. He wants you to be a part of that kind of thing. And so then I think there are a couple more pictures here. Yeah, here's a little boy having his hands washed. But, you know, it's interesting that a few years ago, the statistic was every day, 20 thousand people, mainly children under five, died every day because of lack of clean drinking water. But I want to tell you that number has gone down. That number is now down to 14,000. Now, still too many, but we're going the right direction. And again, that is about the people of faith. I was invited to the UN a couple of years ago to talk about this, and it was the faith community. That's what they kept saying. It's the faith community that's making these things happen. People stand up, be happy for the church. Don't think everybody's against us. No, they're looking at us. They're saying, we need you, we need you, we need you out there. You know, I was on a call not long ago with one of the attorneys at the Department of Justice, and we were having this discussion regarding racial issues. I was part of a race and justice commission. And finally, after we talked all about policy and everything else, he lowered his voice. I'll never forget it. He lowered his voice. I have no idea if he's a believer or not. He lowered his voice, and he said, I just want to tell you, faith leaders, I was there with other pastors on that call. He said, I just want to tell you, though, policy, regulations, all this that we're doing is right. But he said, you are the only ones that can help us because this is a heart issue. I can't get away from that, Brian. Big-time attorney at the Department of Justice in Washington, D.C. is saying, you are the only ones that can help us? I want to tell you, folks, stand up tall because God's moving through you in some great ways today and wants to break your imagination to do more than you've ever thought. In conclusion, do we have another picture? I can't remember. Is that it? Oh, okay. But in conclusion, you will learn from the people in Sierra Leone as well. You will learn more than probably you give. So I mentioned to you about the amputee care center. I would hear out there that people were all over town, amputees that had been there and gotten help and would come back and forth, and they would say, go to the World Hope Amputee Care Center. God is there. Now, there was a secular one from France there. 
And I'm sure they may have even done better work than we did. But the people would say, go to the World Hope One. God is there. His presence is there. Well, one day, one of our amputees was walking down the street in the capital city of Freetown. And he had his prosthetic arm on. And he came face to face with the man that had cut off his arm. And he said at first he was scared. He said, I wanted to run away. And he said, it was as if God just put a rod right up my back and made me walk straight. And he said, I walked up to him, put out my prosthetic arm to him to shake his hand. And he said to this wicked, evil rebel soldier, because literally the consciences were gone after they'd done so much of this. And he looked up at him and he said, before world hope and Jesus gave me this limb, I would have sought vengeance. But today I can forgive you. He said that rebel soldier, and I don't know, I've thought about that. How many times I can't forgive somebody who hurt my feelings, you know? They didn't cut off my arm, but they hurt my feelings. I don't know if I want to forgive them or not. I just want to kind of hang on to that a little bit. Well, I want to say, I can do another sermon on forgiveness. <laughs> but I just want to say it does you no good to hang on to unforgiveness. It will eat you up. He said, he just kept holding on to my arm and he said, I looked up into his face and he said, then I saw what he was doing and he said, tears were rolling down this rough, 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 evil face. And he said, he looked at me in the eyes and said, I never thought I could know forgiveness. My friends, this morning, literally that rebel soldier became, I mean, that amputee became Jesus to that rebel soldier. You are Jesus where you go. You are literally Jesus letting people know they, too, can be forgiven and to know forgiveness. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence in this room this morning. Thank you for the way in which you are moving in all of our hearts. Lord, I just ask a special blessing on this congregation this morning. May you break their imagination. May you help them to live in love and forgiveness. And may you give us courage to live beyond what we think we are to the story that you want us to live out. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give Dr. Lyon a hand? Well, when I get invited to speak at the UN, I'll let you know about it. <laughs> Incredible. On a serious note, the way God has used her. Who gets to go into the Oval Office and speak about doing good deeds and compassion of Jesus? Who gets to go speak at the UN and meet communist leaders all across the country? The way God has used her is incredible. And I hope you've been so blessed this morning. I've been challenged deeply. 
As I was telling first service, my biggest takeaway, just walking away, is that, God, you would break my imagination for the many things God's going to do, not only here in our community, but way beyond. And as she said, we'll, we'll talk about that village, an opportunity to partner with that village for three years to be radiant life there. Just incredible opportunities that we have. At this time, the ushers, you can come forward. And uh, just a couple real quick before I forget, the Carey family once again has flowers for you out in the parking lot, okay? I want to make sure I get that in. Don't forget flowers for you. And uh, we're going to receive this morning's tithe and offering. If you're a guest with us at Radiant Life, again, thanks for checking us out. Different morning special guests. You can take that connection card at the bottom of your bulletin. Take it to Radiant Cafe. There's uh, a gift bag for you, free drinks. And then for the rest of us, we can drop it off in the plate. And I don't want to forget this. is uh, You're starting over our new series, the invite cards that you're probably sitting on right now. Uh, begins in two weeks. Invite someone because it could change their life. But let's pray, and then the team's going to close us with one last song. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that the gospel is bearing fruit around the world. We thank you for the way that you are moving in so many lives. And God, this morning as we just continue our worship with giving back with what's already yours, we pray that your kingdom would expand through this offering, that lives would be changed. We celebrate the 32 lives that were surrendered to you last week. Would you just continue to multiply this offering as we surrender it to you, as we obediently follow you. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Will you please stand as the plate goes by and we'll close with one last song. Jesus, in victory you reign. We triumph in your name. I love that. Uh, you know, first service something out of her message struck me and then second service something out of her message struck me differently. And at the beginning of the year, uh, Pastor Ryan preached a message on choosing one word for the year, and my one word was poor. And Dr. Joanne Lyons said, there's a difference between pouring a cup of water and pouring a cup of water in Jesus' name. And to me, that just resonated, because there is a difference when you speak the name of Jesus into something or into situations. So my prayer is that we would pour Jesus, and that all that we would do would be done in Jesus' name. We have another opportunity for you to do that as well, and I have my little card with notes. Uh, make sure I get it right. Um, the Wesleyan Hospital in Haiti is collaborating with World Hope International and the Wesleyan Church, and they're looking at transporting medicine over to the hospital, $4 million worth of medicine. But in order to get it there, to purchase and or get it there, it costs $73,000. Right now, they've raised about $50,000, and math is not my strong suit, but if I did it right, they still need $23,000 in order to ship the medicine over to the hospital in Haiti. The deadline for all of the funds is August 31st, which is only four days. They have four days to get the rest of those funds in. So if you are feeling led to pour Jesus in a different way, to give in a different way, to love in a different way, we want to encourage you to do that. The ushers will just be out the doors. You can just put them in the plate and we will get that money where it needs. Having said all of that, see Jesus live life and share his love through you.